Good morning, and welcome to Obreeders Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Katie F., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Tuesday, November 29, 2016. Today we are reading from the Big Book, the forward to the second edition on page XV. Today's readers are on the 12 Steps, Roz R., 12 Traditions, Leslie M., and reading the text is Deb W., Rachel W., and Martha Z. The reference number from Monday, November 28, 2016, is 9301. That's 9301. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Roz R. to read the 12 steps. Roz, please press star one to unmute. Hi, can you hear me? Yes. Okay, thank you. Um, This is Roz R. from Florida. Uh, The 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God, as we understood him praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And twelve, having had a spiritual awakening, as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters, and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Um, Thank you. I pass. Thank you, Roz. Okay, I will ask Leslie M. to read the 12 Traditions. Good morning, Katie F. This is Leslie M., a recovered compulsive overeater, and thank you for your service. The 12 Traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, For our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. 
They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, thus problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you for allowing me to do service, and I pass. Thank you, Leslie. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone, except the speakers, should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the big book on page XV, paragraph the first paragraph, and I will ask Deb W. to begin reading, and she will be reading two paragraphs. Hi, good morning. This is Deb W., recovered in Oklahoma. Okay, so since the original foreword to this book was written in 1939, a wholesale miracle has taken place. Our earliest printing voiced the hope that every alcoholic who journeys will find the fellowship of Alcoholics Anonymous at his destination. Already continues the early text, twos and threes and fives of us have sprung up in other communities. 16 years have elapsed between our first printing of this book and the presentation in 1955 of our second edition. In that brief space, Alcoholics Anonymous has mushroomed into nearly 6,000 groups whose membership is far above 150,000 recovered alcoholics. Groups are to be found in each of the United States and all of the provinces of Canada. AA has flourishing communities in British Isles, the Scandinavian countries, South Africa, South America, Mexico, Alaska, uh, Australia, and Hawaii. 
also promoting, I mean, promising beginnings have been made in some 50 foreign countries and U.S. possessions. Some are just now taking shape in Asia. Many of our friends encourage us by saying that this is but a beginning, only the augury of a much larger future ahead. And, you know, I decided, you know, that I was going to just kind of read my notes in hopes that uh, these are notes by people who have more wisdom in uh, than I do on this uh, second edition explanation of the history. But uh, so I, uh, I have a note that says, this chapter is the accounting of the first 20 years. Now, I'm not sure if that's correct, but that's what I have of the uh, the uh, developing of uh, of AA, uh, the second edition uh, story of how AA developed. Uh, when I go down into the um, into the body of the first couple of paragraphs, I have a, a note that says that a wholesale miracle is what um, they uh, gave me the definition of that I you know really liked the extent expound on, and it said an extensive, indiscriminate uh, made or accomplished extensively, a price paid but rock bottom price, um, large, uh, it's cheap but large quantities, a quantity sale, blanket, large bulk. Um, uh, anybody can receive it. It's not free. It doesn't cost money. There is a price, however. We have to give up the old way of living, thinking, handling resentments, anger, and fear. Uh, I go on down, and there's the word called recovered, and it was in this uh, text or in this person that was describing it, and I relate to it, is it, uh, recovered meaning restored, renewed, a rehabilitated life. Um, another uh, definition I had was augury, uh, and it, it's just a sign, a foretelling um, Let's see, and I think that's basically all I see. Uh, I have a reference, but the reference is it goes back to what is it that they're talking about, and uh, it's XXVII page XXVII, and what it is that they're talking about in these first couple of pages is that an idea was found uh, that was to help uh, those of us who couldn't stop the addiction of alcoholism and compulsive eating. And it was uh, brought to, the, to uh, a, uh, a institution as an idea that worked for Bill W. And um, Silk Worth allowed this uh, person to uh, implement his way of getting out of, out of the alcohol. And from there, versed an an uh, opportunity for million you know millions probably um to get out of the uh the addiction that the medical profession could not you know develop on its own i also have circled the text and that this is a special emphasis that i would like to say because it's so it, in the beginning when i came into the fellowship with the problem of compulsive eating, I did not understand that this big book was a text. It was something to be studied. And in it, it because it's inspired, I believe it's inspired, just like the Bible is inspired, 
it holds a message for us that if we follow it just as it is, we will come out. I, I came out in 1989 from the addiction, and I came out again a few years ago from this addiction using it exactly like it's lined out here. So the text is successful because of the book. It gives us the directions on how to get out of the food and to stay out. So with that, I pass. Thank you, Deb W. Who would like to share on these paragraphs? This is Bella Kim G. Okay, I got Bella, Tina, Kim G. Amanda R. Amanda R. Who else? I know I missed some people. I heard a Leia. Was it Leia M? Is there a Leia? Okay. Yes. Um, okay, Leah M. Okay. Then let's go with Bella G, Tina S, Kim G, Amanda R, and Leah M. Go ahead, Thank Bella. you. Thank you. Good morning. My name is Bella G, and I'm a thankful recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, Katie, for doing this service, and thank you very much, everybody on the line. Wow, such a wonderful paragraph full with hope that this is but a beginning. Yes, and for me, this, is, this was only a beginning. I didn't even know what's, what's going to be in the future. Yes, when I came to the program, I just wanted to lose weight, and I thought that, okay, I will now get a new diet. I will lose weight, and I will stay skinny, and goodbye, and I finish. Wow, thank you, God. Thank you, God, that I'm in the program. It's not about diet. It's not about food. I just got my new life. I was reborn. You know, I got my life. I learned by living the 12 steps one day at a time. I just got my life back. I learned to live the present, not to live the past with resentment, with anger, and not to live the future with anxious. I just learn to live the present. And I, it's, it's a miracle because it's not only me. It's, you know, people around me just change only because of me being in the program and living in the 12 steps. It's just a miracle that I learned to be connected not to my ego and not to be all the time jealous and nervous and blaming and judging. I just learned, you know, to live with peaceful and with love and acceptance. And yes, you know, I learned to accept that I am not perfect. I will never be perfect. None of us is perfect. And even my higher power that I called him God doesn't expect me to be perfect. And this is the present of my life. That I, I just got my life back. Thank you for, learn, for letting me share, and I pass. Okay, so thank you, Bella. And this will be the order. Leah M is next, followed by Tina S., Kim G., and Amanda R. 
Go ahead, please, Leah. Um. Thank you so much, Katie, for your service. Wholesale miracle. You know, I want to share a little bit about that um, this morning, and of course, I want to preface it by saying this is not about any, you know, uh, self recognition or personal success or anything like that. I want to share about the fact that I have been blessed, privileged, and honored to experience wholesale miracles in three different communities. So we're not talking about personalities here. We're talking about the attraction of recovery, and we're talking about um, keeping meetings very, very focused. Uh, I'll just highlight an experience I had in, in moving to Minnesota in 2001 and visiting uh, OA meetings that were not healthy and not well. And um, in carrying the message of recovery in those meetings for a number of weeks, beginning to work with people, meaning sponsoring people through the steps, uh, sponsoring specifically about a dozen people at that time, and then opening up a meeting that was focused on giving an education about the exact nature of my disease, allergy of the body through bringing to life the doctor's opinion and the obsession of the mind, teaching through my personal experience that I wasn't doomed because of my allergy of the body, although that was a bad problem, but because of the mental obsession, and to teach through my personal experience and have people realize that the only solution that will ever work with people like us is something that gets rid of the mental obsession, and we do that. The steps are designed to relieve us of the mental obsession, and people began to get recovered, and it began to be a wholesale miracle. It began to be a wholesale miracle where meetings were 100, 120 people. Uh, those sponsors were sponsoring people. Uh, the first meeting was uh, over 30 people. Again, uh, the meeting stayed on track, training newcomers in the principles and the language of the program of recovery and keep, keeping those meetings on track and people continuing to uh, be recovered because they had submitted to the entire 12-step process. They had finished their amends. They were living daily in the consistent practice of Step 10, 11, and 12, inventory, prayer, and meditation, practicing the principles and giving service, taking other people through the work. So I just say this in humble, humble uh, testimony that the wholesale miracle that became uh, possible through people in whom the problem had been solved uh, in AA can be possible for Overeaters Anonymous. And uh, please, God, let it be so. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Leah. Okay, so next we will have Tina S. followed by Kim G. Thanks, Katie. Tina S. Compulsive Eater, anorexic in Florida. Some really, really good stuff. And, you know, and I, too, wanted to talk about the wholesale miracle. And in here it says, since the original forward, you know, so in 16 years, a lot of this stuff has happened in our history. And, you know, and I'm very, very grateful. And I love what was just shared. And I'm, I am really glad to see that this is happening in Overeaters Anonymous also. Because here we're talking about Alcoholics Anonymous. And, and, you know, one of the things that it says here, it says, our earliest printing voice, the hope, the hope, you know, some excitement here that every alcoholic, every one of us, you know, there are no discriminatory things here. Um, 
can find this fellowship. You know, and I like that it talked about fellowship, you know, because I found the fellowship long before I I started uh, doing the deal, you know, and staying in recovery and being recovered one day at a time. Um, but, you know, through the fellowship was I introduced to the 12 steps, and, and through that was I able to one day at a time not succumb to the obsession of the mind and the allergy of the body. And, and that's what happens here. And, you know, I like that it also talks about in the second paragraph, the augury. You know, in the augury, it's an omen, it's a sign and for the future. And, and you know, look, at this is the future. And so what has happened from these people writing in this book years ago has come about. And, and, and what a gift for us all so that we have the opportunity to know that what these people are talking about is the truth because it has come about. And if I continue to do what they were doing, we'll continue to get what they got, which was being recovered one day at a time. And, you know, and I am passionate about this also, and I'm just so grateful. And I don't mean to cross talk about Leia sharing that because that's the truth. You know, if we don't, if we don't share this, this, program of action, then there, there will be no future for our society. So with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you so much, Tina. Kim G, you're up. Good morning, Katie. Good morning, all. My name is Kim G. Oh, in a brief space, Alcoholics Anonymous, which is 16 years they're talking about, has mushroomed to nearly 6,000 groups whose membership is far above 150,000 recovered alcoholics. You know, so what is our goal? They're saying recovered. It doesn't say there's 150,000 sober alcoholics. Because, listen, if sobriety was enough, then rehabs would be enough. Rehabs would have 100% um, success rate. And we learn, in the, and there is a solution about the moderate eater, the heavy eater. Those are people who can just be abstinent. They can work a diet program because, let me tell you, folks, diets work. Decrease your calories, increase your exercise, you will lose weight. But what we learn in this book is about the real alcoholics, people who are not the moderate eaters, people who are not the heavy eaters. They talk about the chronic alcoholic, an alcoholic of our type, as seriously alcoholic as I am. And that's the type that I am because being abstinent isn't enough. In all honesty, what abstinence does for me is it makes me restless, it makes me irritable, it makes me discontent, and it makes me so uncomfortable in my own skin. And I have to look at those bedevilments on page 52, because if those bedevilments were only present when I am drunk or when I am in the food, then abstinence would be my answer. But I, have, I had to read these bedevilments in first person and tell myself when abstinent. So on page 52, was I having personal Problems with personal relationships went abstinent. Couldn't I control my emotional nature when abstinent? Was I a prey to misery and depression when abstinent? Couldn't I make a living when abstinent? Did I have a feeling of uselessness when abstinent? Was I full of fear when abstinent? Was I unhappy when abstinent? Couldn't I seem to be a real help to other people when abstinent? Let me tell you, I got 100% on that test. So abstinence is not the answer. Abstinence is my problem. And they're telling us here this fellowship grew not because people were sober, but people recovered from this seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. So let me assure you, to the core of my being today, I know that I am a compulsive overeater. But let me also assure you that today I do not suffer from compulsive overeating because I have recovered. 
Unfortunately, for many years in OA, I disrespected OA. I used it as a diet program with group support. I used it as a tools-only program. And let me tell you, that failed me utterly. But when I came to this 12-step program and actually did the 12 steps as outlined in this book, let me tell you, I have been recovered for almost six years, one day at a time, not being abstinent, but practicing these principles in all my affairs and being free. And with that, I pass. Thank you so much, Kim. Okay, Amanda R., you're next. Good morning. This is Amanda R., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from Maine. And I look at uh, these these couple paragraphs, and they just, there's so much joy in there. It seems like they're almost incredulous looking around at, at all these countries they list where AA has popped up and the number is just ballooning and and um and I read that and I was like you know I feel the same way about my own life and and I also thought you know they they didn't have <laughs> they didn't have smooth sailing through those 16 years it wasn't all like sunshine and roses and everything going according to plan and you know everything just fell into their lap there was there was a lot of hard work, and um, there was a lot of of difficulties to be addressed with, through the help of their of the higher each person's higher power and the group conscience. And I imagine I was not there, a bit young for that, but I imagine it was it was kind of rocky at times. So, and also you know the same with my life. Although overall things are ever so much better. And when I was in active addiction, it's still, you know, I have days where it seems like stuff just comes out of the the blue and, and knocks me sideways. And I, the thing, what that means for me is to, to not look at that as if I'm a failure for that happening. The only failure is if I give up at that point. But instead, to use the steps they're here for for good times and bad and everything in between and um to just you know pick up not lose my connection with my higher power use those steps 10 11 and 12 and and keep moving because you know there's like it says here there's there's so many better things coming there's there's joy now and there's even more joy in the future that's all i have i'll pass Thank you. Would anyone else like to share on these two paragraphs before we move on? Okay, then let's just move on, please, with um, Rachel W. reading the next paragraph. We're on the page XV at the bottom, and we'll be going over to page XV1. Hi, this is Rachel W. Can you hear me okay? Yes, I can. Okay, great. Thank you. The spark that was to flare into the first AA group was struck at Akron, Ohio in June 1935 during a talk between a New York stockbroker and an Akron physician. Six months earlier, the broker had been relieved of his drink obsession by a sudden spiritual experience following a meeting with an alcoholic friend who had been in contact with the Oxford groups of that day. He had also been greatly helped by the late Dr. William D. Silkworth, a New York specialist in alcoholism who is now accounted no less than a medical saint by AA members. 
and whose story of the early days of our society appears in the next pages. From this doctor, the broker had learned the grave nature of alcoholism. Though he could not accept all the tenets of the Oxford groups, he was convinced of the need for moral inventory, confession of personality defects, restitution to those harmed, helpfulness to others, and the necessity of belief in and dependence upon God. And um, I'm going to set my timer. This is Rachel Delby, Recover Compulsive, over are calling from New York. And um, this is just so packed with uh, so much. Um, let me just do my timer. So just to say that, you know, this is we're, we're talking here about the meeting between um, between Bill W. and Dr. Bob six months before um, Bill had been relieved of his drink obsession through a sudden spiritual experience and when he was introduced to the Oxford group through Eddie Thatcher. And, um, and you know, what happened to Bill was that he, he moved into a completely different response to life. And why was this such a, you know, this was, such, this was such a huge historical event because here we have Dr. William Silkworth, who is, is, a, is considered a saint by the AA members. And he's telling Bill, you know, I can't help you. Like this is something, this is a grave, this is a really, the, the nature of alcoholism, it's a grave nature. It's a very serious and deadly disease and I can't help you. And, and um, you know, it, it, instead, you know, we came to our process. We came to our process of the steps, which is where the paragraph ends off here, um, where there's a need for the personal inventory, the confession of personality defects, the restitution, and the helpfulness to others. But it all ends off with a belief in and then its dependence on God. And, you know, for me, it's this is the another this this is this is the answer to my problem is that it it really had nothing to do with food at all. You know, that was the biggest revelation to me was that the, my issue wasn't just this physical allergy, this that I couldn't stop eating. My issue was that I had a mental obsession that could only be relieved through the spiritual experience of aligning myself in this process. And I want to also just focus in on the grave nature of this disease because it is a grave nature. It is deadly. You know, a lot of people I hear on the line, um, maybe not here, but in other meetings, I hear people really struggling a lot with, with food at this time of year. And I think in a way there's sort of like a free pass, like, you know, food maybe isn't as bad, but really it is, it's the same exact thing. It's a physical, emotional, and spiritual death that happens when I, when I'm binging and when I'm in, into the food. And, but just to, you know, just to say that, you know, I, I'm grateful to have read this historical account because it is a miracle. It, we're, it's like being witness to a miracle, the interaction between these people and, you know, the, the beginning of this program. And, and really to consider that even a doctor is saying, I can't help you, but yet the help was there all along because, you know, the answer is in that spiritual experience. The answer is in having a completely different response to life. And that only happens through this process and through aligning myself into these 12 steps. So thank you very much for allowing me to share. Thank you, Rachel. Who would like to share on this paragraph? Chris G. Nessa R. Kathy C. Larry. Okay, I just heard someone far, far away. Okay, let's go with those four. Chris, I'm sorry, I didn't get your initial. Is it C, G? It's, it's Chris G. Thank you so much. Chris G, then Nessa R, Kathy C, and Larry K. Okay, go ahead, please, Chris G. 
Good morning, everybody. This is Chris Jake, Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Connecticut. Very, very uh, grateful. And I just want to talk about the grave nature of this disease that um, I, I see continuing to take, take friends' minds and lives. And, and I just want to talk about how these steps brought me back to life because I was indeed dead. The best part of my day was putting on my PJs at, you know, 6 or 6.30 and climbing into bed and planning what I was going to eat throughout the night. And uh, I can't even believe I can say that to you, but that was it. I just wanted to survive what I had to do every day so that I can get to the food. And as a result, I was a dead mother. I was a dead friend. I was a dead daughter. I was a dead sister. I was dead. Um, but I lied to myself because I was in the disease. I thought I was, I thought I was living my life. And um, it wasn't until I became willing to do, to go to any length, to, willing to feel the pain and the denial that I was in, that it was okay for that to be the best part of my day. Really? <laughs> um, so I, I just want to testify that working these steps, being willing to go to any late length, can rebirth you. I am reborn. I, can't, I cannot believe the riches that I experience every day. These beautiful souls on this line that I get to meet and talk to every day and feel so blessed by, by this program. And I'm going to the OA birthday. I would have never guessed that I'd be flying out to L.A. to celebrate OA birthday and to meet all of you who are going. Um, my life is becoming more and more full every day, and I am so grateful. And I encourage all on the line who are feeling lost, who are feeling dead because of the grave nature of this disease, to choose you, to choose life, because these steps work. With that, I pass. Thank you so much, Chris. Nessa R., you're up, followed by Kathy C. Thank you. Good morning, Vision for You. This is Nessa R., a recovered compulsive overeater in Toronto, Canada. And I, I just thought, oops, um, I just want to comment on the necessity of belief and dependence upon God, um, because um, even definitely before I came into the rooms, but even when I was in the rooms and not yet um, recovered, before I was ever taken through the steps according to the big book, before I knew anything about the allergy of the body and the obsession of the mind, which. Um, I only learned maybe about five and a half, uh, six years ago, um, coming up um, um, onto uh, five years of, uh, of recovery. You know, I, I always thought that my, pro- my problems were the food and my weight and the way other people behaved. And I was so full of if onlys. You know, if only I was thin, I'd be happy. If only I could eat all the cheesecake I want and be thin, I'd be happy. If only this person did this, if only that person didn't do that. And I had placed 
all my reliance upon other people at times, you know, for them to do what I wanted them to do, what I needed them to do so that I could be happy. And at other times I'd place reliance upon myself, um, you know, in order to control, manipulate uh, people, places, things, and situations to suit, uh, to suit me, my little plans and designs. Um, and all the time I was placing reliance upon the food to make me feel better you know, or actually to make me not feel at all. And, you know, I, I, I didn't really recognize that, that well, I thought that those, that those were my problems, um, they were actually my solutions. Um, it was only upon working the steps that I realized that there's only really one solution to my, to my living problem, to my problem of powerlessness, to my problem of uh, restlessness, irritability, and discontentment, and that is God. You know, I was trying to fill um, the proverbial God-sized hole um, with all these other externalities that had absolutely nothing to do with either the problem or the solution, and I am so grateful that I found a person in whom the problem had been solved who had the patience and the perseverance to stick with me and to teach me all these things, to teach me about, you know, the, the allergy of the body, the obsession of the mind, to take me to the steps, even though I slipped a couple of times, you know, every time I had to go back to step one, but she stuck by me and I came out the other side. And now um, the food is neither my problem nor my solution. It is just there in a position of neutrality. Um, Controlling other people or depending upon other people to do what I want is no longer an issue whether they do or they don't. It doesn't really matter because I have a program that enables me to um, to roll with whatever God's will is for me in a way that is um, um, joyful, contented, and even happy, um, I would say. And it's such a much better way of living life. And I pass. Thank you. Thank you so much, Nessa. Kathy C., you're up, followed by Larry Kay. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. My name is Kathy C., and I am a grateful, recovered, compulsive eater from Montreal, Canada. Um, this paragraph here, this, uh, this forward to the second edition, um, was put into place so we can bring, so they could bring an acknowledgement um, to what later developed um, in addition to the original editions. Um, and for me, reading reading had reading that for the first time, there was so much information. And I thank God for my sponsor who broke it up for me, who who led me um, uh, to understand that, you know, from the um, from the middle of the paragraph where um, it says, though he could not accept all the tenets of the Oxford groups, you know, um, he was convinced of the need for more inventory. That step four. Confession of personality de- defects, you know, are step five and six. Prostitution to those harms, you know, are step work eight, nine, and helpfulness, helpfulness to others are step 12. And the necessity of being, of belief in and dependence upon God, um, again, that, that's our step two, three, and 11. Um, so for me, at the very beginning, I was like, this is, uh, this is overwhelming. But I had to believe that um, I had to keep on going forward with this. Um, had, had I not found that willingness, had I not you know, trusted my sponsor, her having been recovered by doing the steps, I would have never have um, 
have, have, have believed or, or trusted her. I had to see it for myself. And that in itself was the, the biggest promise of all, seeing someone else recovered. Um, so I'm very grateful for this, uh, for this group, for these uh, meetings every morning. Um, that's it, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, Larry Kay, you're up. Thanks so much for your service, Larry Kay, Recovered Compulsible Reader from Chicago. You know, I, I don't know if I'm the only one on the line that would have been dead um, had this spark of a meeting uh, if it didn't occur. Um, I doubt that's the case. I'm sure there's there's a few others on this very line. I, I don't think it's um, extreme to say that. I, I know I would have been dead had this meeting not occurred. I don't think I'm being melodramatic about it at all. You know, there was something divine about this. There was something divine because, you know, prior, prior to this, there was no chance for people like us. You know, you may, you may come, you may be someone that you're not, you know, you're not close to physical death yet. I mean, we're all going to take that last breath someday. But some of us were pretty darn close. You know, I don't know how close, but I, I was pretty darn close. You know, I, was, I, I wasn't going to be able to go much longer. Um, and, um, and it wasn't so much that I, I didn't have the courage to take my own life. I don't think um, some, some of you may have been in that position. But what a miracle. I'm so grateful that this meeting did occur, this spark of a meeting. Um, and, and, and it had to be divine. I mean, would we really be on the line today? I mean, think about that for a moment. Would we be on the line today? You and I, you know, recovered, recovered? What, are you kidding me? Recovered from this seemingly hopeless illness of mind and body? You know, this whole process, starting with the Oxford group, was there, if you were Jewish, Muslim, atheist, would you be on the line if this was a Christian group, you know, formed from the Oxford group? That was a Christian movement. That's what it was. There was something divine. They had some principles and it was something divine, and we're very inclusive, right? We're not exclusive. That's why we can all be on the line. It doesn't matter what your conception of your higher power is, does it? It doesn't matter. There's something divine about this spark of a meeting that occurred, and, and all connecting the dots to where we are today, you know, that if you do this, these, and we see the, the principles here, it's not just about, they didn't just put alcohol down. <laughs> these guys tried to put alcohol down. They couldn't do it. They couldn't sustain it. No, they, they, there was a process of change that brought us into alignment with a higher power. There had to be deflation, complete deflation, utter deflation. And yes, there had to be a process of change, of connecting with your higher power, you know, making restitution for harms done, exploring what, the, what those harms were and really getting honest with ourselves about what they were and having a means of connecting to your higher power and sustaining that connection through helping others. If you don't engage in that, you're not going to become recovered. That's a, that you, I can assure you of that. If you're in this for yourself, you can't. You can't become recovered, not because you're not a good person. It just doesn't work that way. What a beautiful program. I'm grateful. With that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Larry. Okay, um, we can open it up now for any more shares. We have time for about four more shares. Hi, Shoshana Kay from Maryland. Shoshana Kay. Harlan G. Harlan G. Okay, and I'll jump in there. Katie F. 
Pat P. Pat B. Okay. Okay, let's go. Shoshana K, Harlan G, KDF, Pat B. Hi, good morning. So happy to be on the line this morning and back on this meeting. It's a hard time for me, but I really love this meeting. I wanted to just share about how this miracle that unfolds in front of our eyes when we read about how Bill Wilson had started this with all of those first hundred men. It's just amazing that that they were in another place in time and history, and I just feel this connection to them from working the program and being a part of it and feeling so grateful to be recovered. And it's just an honor and privilege to be able to work the program and be a part of this, and that's what I wanted to share today. Thanks so much. Okay. Okay, Harlan G., you're up. Is that me? That is. Okay, sorry. This is Harlan G. That's okay. I'm from I'm from Scottsdale, Arizona. And every single day, especially at this time of year, we have people coming into the North Scottsdale Fellowship Club for a meeting. They're from other parts of the country. And they walk in and they say, I saw the sun coming up over the desert. What a miracle. And that's a beautiful thing to behold is the sun coming up over the Sonoran Desert, the McDowell Mountains of Arizona. This is a beautiful part of the country. I'm glad I live here. But that's not a miracle in my eyes. That's something that's going to take place for thousands of years and has taken place for hundreds of thousands of years before we got here. What I believe is a miracle is the most unlikely of phenomenon how a man who was a drunk named Ebby Thatcher was emancipated from a sentence to the Brattleboro Insane Asylum by Seber Graves Sr., whose son, Seber Graves Jr., was a member of the Oxford Group, and he and Roland arranged to have Ebby remanded to their care. And when asked to give testimony, he called upon his friend Bill Wilson to tell Bill how he had not excuse me, how he had not drank for that day, how he had two months sober. It says that was two months ago he was sober. What a miracle. A miracle to me is what has taken place in that moment and since that moment in the lives of the ego-driven madness of alcoholics, compulsive overeaters, and addicts of all sorts. I have been dead. I don't have to wonder what it's like to be dead. I have been dead. I have awakened amidst wrappers and boxes and bags. I have shoved towels between layers of flab to keep it from rubbing together. I have weighed 700 pounds. I have broken furniture. And I have been saved by this program. And I do everything I can to allow God to whisper his breath on the last ember of my heart and burst it into flames so that maybe today I will take action after action to recover. But in the beginning, I took those actions. And like Bill describes in the paragraph, I didn't even yet believe in all of them. But I took actions that I saw other people taking because it was working in them. Every one of us 
who is recovered is a miracle. If you're struggling, grab our hands. Let us help you. There are stories here unbelievable. If you missed Sunday's special edition of Gen T from California, go back and listen to it on the podcast if you want a really great story of resurrection through the 12 steps. This program is a living, breathing miracle. Grab our hands. Become a part of it. Don't miss it. The saddest words of tongue or pen are these few words. It might have been. There is recovery on this line in this book. Let's, let us help you. Thanks. With that, I'll pass. Thank you, Harlan. I'm KDF, a recovered compulsive overeater. And, you know, there's a lot of people on this line this morning. And, you know, if you're here for the first time, you might be thinking, you know, it's three weeks before the holidays. I just wanted to lose some weight. And, you know, why are you people still here? Why do you get up every day, you know, anywhere from 4 a.m. to uh, 7 a.m. to be on this meeting? Like, why would you keep doing that? And this last um, part of this uh, paragraph we read, it says, though he could not accept all the tenets of the Oxford groups, he was convinced of the need for moral inventory, confession of personality defects, restitution to those harmed, helpfulness to others, and the necessity of belief and dependence upon God. Um, And that's why I continue to show up every day, because this is a one day at a time um, reprieve based on the maintenance of my spiritual condition. And I, you know, I lost the weight, you know, that I thought was my problem. I thought if only I would just be at a normal weight in a normal sized body, then I would be happy. And what happened, you know, through various ups and some, you know, just all kinds of different experiences, I finally realized that, you know, that was not going to make me happy. That uh, as, you know, someone shared earlier, I was miserable, even abstinent. I was miserable, even um, in a thin body, that it didn't, that is not my guarantee, my ticket to freedom in my life today. My ticket to freedom is helping others and continuing to remember where I came from. You know, as uh, the last speaker shared, you know, their big high number. I didn't have that big high number, but it was, um, I was the one who was considering suicide. So I probably would not have died from the effects of food, except maybe, you know, 5, 10, 20 years earlier than I should. But as far as, um, you know, my mental state was that I didn't want to live because I was just completely miserable with myself because of those bedevilments, because I was prey to misery and depression. And my guarantee to stay away from that, even in my thin body, even when my life looks pretty good, is to continue to show up and to press into my higher power. That's what this is about. That's what this program is. That's what separates us from Jenny Craig and Weight Watchers is that we continue to um, grow and develop and change and mature. You know, most of us, whether you came in at 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, or 70, uh, most of us have the um, mental uh, maturity of a, you know, 12-year-old. And so it's taken me a very long time. I'm embarrassed sometimes at the things that I am just now saying, oh, 
okay, well, I need to act this way, and then they won't act that way. And you know what? It's just what God's timing. And with that, I'll pass, and now we will have Pat B. Please press star one to unmute, Pat. Okay, so one more person who... Hello? Barely. You're very faint. I'm going to pass because you can't hear me. Yeah, it's just very garbled. I'm sorry. Is there someone who would like to share? Edini? Edini, thank you. Go ahead, please. Thank you, Katie, for your service. Good morning, my spiritual brothers and sisters. My name is Irini, and I'm a very grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. Thank you, God. Always giving credit where credit is due. A spark. What is this spark? A small, bright light. And it just took two to start a group that translated into a spark that became a spiritual chain reaction. It's a connection that is so divinely translated. Just by one addict talking to another, it sounds so absurd. It sounds so impossible, but it's divinely possible because of that small, bright light of a spark beginning recovering having that profound change of personality, to be able to be set free from the bondage of self, to change somebody's mind, their body and their soul, to have a complete health of wholeness. How is this possible? There is a beginning. It's making the decision and to be guided into this program of action. The only requirement is to have a desire to stop eating compulsively. That's the only requirement. Well, that desire, God gives us the desires of our hearts. Thank you, and I pass. Okay, thank you so much. Okay. um, Well, I will now ask... um, Thank you to everyone who has shared. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Martha Z. please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Good morning, my friends in recovery. This is Martha Z. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater by the grace of God from near Philadelphia. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order, but obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. 
Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.